Welcome, and thank you for streaming this sermon. At Heritage Baptist Church, we believe that the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus can truly change lives. So it is our hope and prayer that this service stirs up your affection for Christ and helps you to draw closer to Him. For more information, please visit hbchazlett.org. Now let's just let him pray. That's good enough. All right, thank you. More time. Brother, I enjoyed that song. Where'd he go? Did he leave? That's just how I used to sing. In my dreams. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Well, I got the third son married off this morning. Did you all notice that? I get up here and I said that and I got to think, wait a minute. I haven't been to his wedding. But that clock's doing this and said, I don't worry about it. I'll clear it up later. But anyway... So I would have picked him out a wife out at the seminary. <laughs> he was out there for one year. I'll get him back out there. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. We're going to pass out these blue sheets. Are you ready? You need this tonight. Okay. We've got a few more extra minutes. So they're going to come forward. Everybody needs one of these. And if you see a number 17 up in the corner, just ignore it. It doesn't mean anything. Don't you remember that joke? Y'all aren't laughing, but anyway, let's move on. I figured it'd been long enough since I'd been here, I could pull that one off again. But anyway, a blue sheet. It should say on the front, so you know how to fold it. You want it where it says, know a man for times. Support three has Enoch at the top. Hebrews 11. Got any pre-flood water, brother? Was that the one I had this morning? I don't know. <laughs> they had choir practice up here, you know. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll let it go. No big deal. I was just going to use for illustration. How many have ever had pre-flood water? One person? Only one person's had pre-flood water? Really? That's all I've ever drank is pre-flood water. That's all there is, by the way, is pre-flood water. Amen? Did you know that? No joke. God is not making new water. Yeah, God created a ball of water that first day of creation, and that's all the water we've ever had. You ever heard the hydrological cycle? It comes down, it evaporates, goes back up, goes back down, goes back up. Same water, just getting clean. Did you know that? So we're all drinking pre-flood water. Now, maybe your water was way down in the ground and it came up in a well, I don't know. But generally speaking, the water we drank came from the first day of creation. Does that make sense? You see how, see how real the flood really is to our day? You see how close we really are to creation? You see all the evolutionary concepts? There's not one theory of evolution. There's several theories. You say, why? Because none of them work. None of them work. So you've got to keep coming up different ways to try to make it believable. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Just hold your place there. Everybody got a sheet now. Everybody got a sheet? And those guys are good. Okay, go ahead and pass out the $100 bills. Monopoly money. Remember the monopoly money I gave you? All right, are we ready? Everybody's got one of these. Wow, how many got a Bible? How many have the Holy Spirit inside of you? All right, we should be in good shape. The Word of God, the man of God, and the Spirit of God. All right, Hebrews 11. Look at your note there. Look at your little blue sheet. You should have it folded where it says, Noah, a man for our times. We touched on this this morning, and we'll kind of use this to warm us up before we pray. I talked about this. I want you to see it in person more directly. 
Enoch lived to be 365 years old. That's what that number is beside there. That God took him out of this world in a good way. We'll talk about that in a minute. Methuselah lived to be 969. I don't know why it says 965. It should say 969. Okay? Make that 5 into a 9, and nobody will have to correct me afterwards. Lamech, 777 years old. Noah is going to live to be 950 years old. Is that that pre-flood water? Thank you, sir. Thank you, Noah. All right, thank you. All right, 950 years. Go back up to the top. Sixth generation from Adam. Noah was in the sixth generation from Adam, so he's not that far removed. Enoch was 60 years old at Methuselah's birth. 60. That's pretty young. If you're going to live to be uh, 365. And thereafter, the Bible says... He walked with God. Something happened in Enoch's life. Some type of an encounter. 60 years old, something happens, and he names that son Methuselah, which hints, maybe infers, maybe even declares. It's so far back and we can't quite nail down exactly, but that name means something along the line. When he dies, it the flood, it, is coming. Some say it means men of the dark, men of the judgment. Some people mean that it's so clear it's talking about the coming judgment of God. But something in that name communicated to Enoch that there's coming a judgment. And from that moment on, the Bible says at 60 years of age, he named Methuselah to market, he walked with God. And he walked so close with God. Now remember, Old Testament economy. Old Testament, just as a song was sung a few minutes ago, God looked forward. Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, so to speak. From the foundation of the world, it was always going to be God's plan. In a sense, God looked forward and saw him on the cross, just like he said. And God deals with us on the basis of who Christ is and what he's done. Amen? Amen? Very important. And so, from that time on, Enoch walked with God. Again, just to remind you of some things, the New Testament is a better economy. It's a better dispensation. There is greater grace available to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, the Old Testament was glorious, but the New Testament is far more glorious. It's like a nice flashlight at night, the Old Testament. The New Testament is like the sun at high noon. That's the difference. It is much better. Hebrews says the New Testament is far better. It's better. In the Old Testament. When you look at these Old Testament saints, they ought to be a great inspiration to you. You say, well, really, should we look at the Old Testament saints and, and should we look at them as an example? Yeah, that's what Hebrews 11 is about. All these great Old Testament saints. And they're to spur us on as we'll talk more about that tomorrow night. But look at Methuselah. What about Methuselah? He was a walking billboard. Did you change that 965 to a 9? My name's at the bottom of that. And somebody will think I made a mistake. I never make typos or mistakes. <clears throat> Ask the students. I very seldom, you know, I got to see my eye doctor. But anyway, actually it's the computer. It doesn't type what I type. But anyway, 969 years. Notice that. He's the oldest living man. When he dies, the judgment's coming. As best we can tell, seems to be very clear, 
He died the year the flood came. In fact, some people have speculated one reason why Noah was in the ark for a week before the flood started. God got the family in there, shut the door. God shut the door. Okay? Shut the door. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Number one, that door needed to be sealed. The whole thing was sealed. You got to get that door in place. I don't think Noah could have shut the door, so to speak. How would you like to have the responsibility of shutting the door? How many today would like to decide when the rapture is going to happen, who we're going to leave behind? I wouldn't want that. I mean, part of me wants the rapture to happen right now. Part of me says, wait, wait. Amen. Amen. By the way, I may forget, and Brother Scott may leave. You know who the first Baptist builder was? Noah. Is that a great ministry? Is that a great ministry? I have seen that thing three times close up. The problem is they did not exist in 1984 when we started Regency Baptist Church. I envisioned somebody doing what they're doing. If we could have had them, we could have had both buildings up when we had just one building up. We could have built both of them because we could have done for about half the cost. That is an absolutely outstanding ministry. I can name some preachers right now that, that have been benefited from it. Just right and left, we hear about it. They helped us out at the seminary. And boy, they made a difference over there in Rome, Texas. Okay. But anyway, thank you for that. And uh, brother, I think I, I see Noah. I see these guys doing what Noah did. All right. So Methuselah was a walking billboard because he was like, you know that sign, that neon sign says, eat at Joe's, eat at Joe's, eat at Joe's, eat at Joe's. You ever heard that, seen that one I'm talking about? Methuselah was like, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. We've talked about this several times when we preached in the flood years ago. You kind of feel sorry for Methuselah. He never got the trading wheels off his bike. When he swung on a swing, he wasn't allowed to swing real high. Okay? He never got to parachute. He never got to have a tree house. Why? Because when he dies, it's coming. You talk about an overprotected child, <laughs> okay. All right, I'm kidding. I don't know what happened. But he lived to be 969 years old. And when he died, the judgment came. That tells you the heart of God. And that's the context, by the way, of 2 Peter 3. We'll see later on this week. Lamech, Lamech, Lamech understood. We go through there and we look at this. You'll see this more Wednesday night when we give you some definitions of these names and so forth. Lamech, he it was in this flow. What I'm showing you is there's this faith passed down from Enoch all the way down to Methuselah, all the way down to Lamech. Noah's born into this flow of revelation. Can you imagine if somebody was here tonight and we all knew him well enough and we went back. In fact, let's just take, let's just take uh, Noah. Lamech's his father. Methuselah's his grandfather. Enoch is his great-grandfather. Let's say that it was a matter of history, a matter of history tonight, that your great-grandfather was a devout Christian and he was known to walk with God and one day he disappeared. And I mean, it's, it's in the history books. Everybody knows it. This was a godly man and one day he was just gone. We don't know what happened to him. And it's been reported. And by the way, he was a prophet. You see your little note there, Jude 14 through 15? The book of Jude says he was a prophet and he prophesied the coming judgment. Far down, the second coming actually. He was gone. Think about what that would be like if that was your family line. Huh, my mother tells us she found out when she was a little girl that she was related to Daniel Boone. Okay, so I'm related to Daniel Boone. Her grandmother used to tell her, hold your head up high. Remember, you're related to Daniel Boone. My mother said she'd hold her head up high as a little girl. I'm related to Daniel Boone. 
Wow, can you imagine if you were related to Enoch? Would that not have some effect on you? Well, you come down to Methuselah, what if God interrupted your life in such a way he gave you a, 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 such an encounter that your child's name was named along those lines? I remember years ago, we had a couple in our church that we reached out to, and she came from another denomination. It took a while for her to make that understanding, that turn, and her husband got saved, and they wanted to do a Bible study uh, after we got done with their uh, discipleship. When we led somebody to Christ, I would go in their home, and I would disciple them. It was an eight-week course. I'd go in there every, every once a week. I had four going on at one, one time, Tuesday nights. I made the mistake of telling them I loved brownies with pecans. Four houses in a row from about 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock. I had it driven to where I could drive to them. I can name the people's names. I had brownies with pecans at every house. After about three weeks of that, I drank so much coffee to get those down. It was, it was an overkill because they would bring me a great big old piece and I'd eat it. And I'd enjoy it at the first two houses, but after a while it was a little bit too much and uh, so forth. But anyway, Lamech was affected by all this and Lamech was told, your son is going to intervene and there's going to be a preserved line. Messiah is going to come. In other words, this is the Messianic line, and this train has got to keep having cars connected to it until the engine shows up, so to speak. You know, Adam died. Now, get this. Adam died when Lamech was 56 years old. Listen, Adam lived 900 and some years. He almost got to Noah. Adam died. Now, I don't know how far they may have been away from each other geographically, Lamech may have known Adam. Just to bring this home, we talked about this morning, what if George Washington was still alive? I'd like to have him for president tonight. I just said that, you know, just said it. Lamech died five years before the flood. Lamech was 182 years old at Noah's birth. Noah when told, I made mistakes, but I've said that after I said it, I thought, no, that's not right. Noah was 480 years old when God came to him and began to tell him, it's coming, it's coming, etc., and you need to build an ark. We don't know if he took exactly 120 years. It probably took a few weeks to get through City Hall. Let me see that again. It took us a year to get a final plat on our property before we built the church building, and it took us a year to get our plans for the city. Man, we would have had the Baptist builders back then. But anyway, Noah would have known about Enoch's encounter with God. He would have known about Methuselah. And he would have known about Lamech, his father's witness. Can you imagine if Lamech's your father and he says to you, son, you're 13 years old. I want to tell you something. Your name has special meaning. And Noah says, yeah, I wonder why you named me Comfort. I mean, you know Comfort. Let me tell you why I named you Comfort. Think about that heritage. Only 136 years separated Adam and Noah. That pre-flood world was, was so much different. Had a superior environment. The family structure was so long-reaching. Some of you have, still have grandfathers and great-grandfathers alive. My wife and I, with our firstborn, some of you know Hannah, we had, was it a five-generation picture? We had a five-generation picture made. We had to go to the nursing home to get it done, and the next day... The next day, that top of that fifth generation passed away. We got couples all the way down to my wife and I, the fourth generation, and that little baby. 
Can you imagine in that world what it would have been like to have Adam around for almost a thousand years? Well, that was washed away. Now open up to the inside. Where we're going to go tonight in a few minutes on the very back, this is just some practical stuff. Some of you don't know about this, and the sooner you know about it, the better. I know that print's tiny, but this chart's a little bigger. I blew it down to get it in here. But there is such a thing as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. If you study Genesis 3, that's what God used to deceive Eve and to pull Adam into the sin. You can read about it there. And then as you go through your Bible, you see it in several different instances. Down at the very bottom, it talks about the three different women in Samson's life. They all represent one of these. You just see this threefold principle. If you and I commit a sin, it is either through the lust of the eyes, something we see, we feel like we got to have, or the lust of the flesh, something we physically crave, or the pride of life. Folks, we all have pride. And uh, some of us are proud that we're humble. The brother Webby, when he was here, he tell you about the guy that was so humble they gave him a medal. So humble they gave him a medal. He started wearing it, so they took it away. But anyway, <laughs> pride. Those are three things. And where do we get pride from? The devil, so to speak. That's the three ways. And by the way, usually it's two or three of them. I want you to stop and think just a minute. This is one of the reasons I put this in here. Most of the world is not saved. Now, again, everybody hears these things from time to time. There may be people here tonight that don't know whether they're saved or not. They're not saved, per se. No saved person is any better than any unsaved person. You go to heaven on the merits of Jesus Christ, period. There are people in heaven who lived more ungodly lives before they got saved than people that are in hell. You see, the standard is absolute perfection. God did not reconcile himself to us to get us saved. He reconciled us to him. Okay? Let me give you an illustration just to show my uh, piano uh, uh, abilities, okay? Before Adam and Eve sinned, God and Adam and Eve were like this. Isn't that nice? Is Brother Wiggins impressed? Look at your father, is he? Well, I can be a little better than that. I like that, see? All right? As soon as they sinned, is God in perfect harmony? Is God in perfect harmony? Who invented music? Who invented, who invented middle C? As soon as they sinned, it didn't sound like this anymore. It sounded like this. They were completely out of fellowship with God. They were off the mark. Amen? Do you hear what I'm saying? God's the tuning fork. We tune to God. Amen? When you get saved, God gives you his righteousness. So now you line up with him because Christ was one of us and he was God. You know, Christ was a descendant of Adam yet without sin because he had no earthly father and the sin nature comes from the father. Isn't God brilliant? Isn't it amazing what he put together? By the way, who designed the ark? God. Now, Noah didn't back up and say, God, this looks pretty good. This really looks good. Now I'm going to make a few adjustments. Are you kidding me? The Bible says Noah did exactly what God said to do. And I don't think he took any shortcuts. I know another ark that's even more significant. His name is Jesus Christ. And we better preach and teach exactly who he claimed to be. Amen? Because eternity's at stake. Now, the devil's going to get you sidetracked through one of these three. Because most of the world is unsaved, guess what TV is primarily about? Now listen, we all know TV's neutral. 
TV is just a box, amen? It's what comes over it. Occasionally you can find something decent on it for 30 seconds, okay? But anyway, the commercials have gotten bad. If you're going to sell things to people, here's something you hear all the time. You deserve this. This is what you've been waiting for. It's new and improved. If they had improved Colgate toothpaste as much as they say, you only have to use it once the rest of your life. <laughs> I mean, when I was a kid, I, I saw Tide. I saw Tide detergent, new and improved about seven times, Brother Reed. That's why you have to wash your clothes one time with them now. Or wash, wash. You can tell where I was from. <clears throat> but anyway, this is how Satan's going to try to pull you in. He makes it look so good. There's a beautiful side to evil. He, you know that Moses saw it, but he thought it was better to be with the people of God, even to suffer with them, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. This is what you're up against. The whole world life in wickedness. All right? When it says love not the world, it's not talking about the people. It's talking about this satanic system that the devil has perfected. It's all over the internet. You can't, it's all over Facebook, it's all over Twitter, it's all over Instagram, it's everywhere. It's, we're flooded with it. Never has a society been as flooded as we are. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, what did God say? I'll raise up a standard. It is very hard in your own abilities to live a godly life. And it's very hard to walk with God unless you begin to make some adjustments. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is why we have suffered so much. All right, turn across the page there. Get a hold of this too. Do you know that God cares about the outward? Jesus did miracles because he had, he had compassion on the people that were hungry. Remember Jesus fed 5,000 plus? Guess what? They were hungry the next day. But when Jesus healed the blind man, he had sight from then on. Amen. When Jesus healed somebody of leprosy, the leprosy stayed away. Jesus cares about the physical. The outward's important, but the inward is more important. There are people who suffer greatly outwardly, but inwardly, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart, down in my heart. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. What do you think? Down in my heart to stay, and I'm so happy. And you know what? They've got all kinds of trials and tribulations. The inward's more important than the outward. When the vision fades, look not on the outward, look on the inward. You know one of the fruits of the Spirit is? Fruit of the Spirit, you know one of them is? Joy. Joy. Jesus said, my joy can remain in you. The church at Thessalonica, they receive the Word of God in much affliction, but with joy of the Holy Ghost. Are you following me? Christianity is not a life without troubles. Christianity is a life with the Holy Spirit living inside of you, producing fruit in spite of what's going on outwardly. Amen? Amen. All right, the next one's the vertical. The horizontal's important, but the vertical, your relationship with God is more important than these relationships. These relationships are important. Your husband and wife relationship is number two. So number two. Well, what's number one? God. Well, what's number three? Children, if you have children. Okay? The home should not revolve around the children. The home should not revolve around your wife or your husband. It should revolve around God. And the closer husband and wife are to God, the better home you have. And by the way, kids are happy when mom and dad are happy with each other. You want to raise some healthy kids? Have a good marriage. They need that security. God never intended it for us to have marriages without his involvement. It's not a two-person thing. It's a three-person thing. Husband and wife and God. 
Who brought Eve to Adam? Who came up with the idea of marriage? God did. Amen. Thirdly, the eternal is more important than the temporal. Now, the temple has its important areas. There's some things that are important. Gentlemen, let me just throw this out. These are things you already know. I'm just getting the pump prime before we get to the main thing tonight. You know something? Your job is extremely significant. But it's a means to an end. It's not the end. When your job comes before your family, when your job comes before your church opportunities, when your job becomes before your health, etc., it's out of balance. And the, the, the bosses and the companies and, and demands instead of priorities, they'll crush you. We get self-worth from a lot of things, but it doesn't last. Let me tell you where you get your worth. You're created in the image of God. Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ died for you. He's coming back for you. In fact, Christ became one of us. Nothing magnifies humanity more than God becoming one of us forever. God did for us what he didn't do for the angels. Amen. We're going to move in with God forever. You got to like somebody let them move in. God didn't say you can come visit me for a while, then I'll put you on a distant planet. No, God said you're going to move into the Father's house. Amen. Man, you got to live by priorities, not demands. And the world's going to put demands upon you. All right, I think I've primed the pump. Go to the back page. Let's pray. Father, help us to make good use of time tonight. And I pray that you'll do something that I cannot do. I'm not much, but even my very best, I can't even come close to ministering to the very inner parts of the heart. You can bring thoughts to the congregation's mind that I don't even bring up. The Holy Spirit can connect some dots. They've been reading their Bibles this morning. Maybe they heard something in a song. They heard something this past week. They rested this past week. You can bring that into this, and you can do something for us that, that beyond what I can say or do. But I pray that you'll just take complete charge, everyone in here tonight, and help us to get these things across. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've never been to one of these Bible conferences, it's preach teaching. Okay? It's not typical type preaching. I'm not really doing a revival. I preach differently when I'm doing a revival. I'm not doing a missions conference. I preach differently. If I'm doing a stewardship conference, I preach differently. If I'm just in preaching, I preach differently. These are different. They're preach teaching. And it's actually one sermon in six parts, really what it is. Okay? All right, so here we go. Look at the very top of the back of the page. Look at Hebrews 11:7. By faith... Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. Again, folks, that's where we are tonight. God told us what's coming. Do you know there's coming an Antichrist? In fact, let me listen to what I'm going to say carefully. Listen carefully. Antichrist is already alive. Antichrist has been around since the days of John. In fact, you can take him all the way back to the Garden of Eden. I didn't say the Antichrist. I said Antichrist. You know what John said in 1 John chapter 4? You deny the humanity of Jesus Christ. Deny the true humanity of Christ. That's the spirit of Antichrist. Do you know why we're going to have a final Antichrist? By the way, there's been a lot of Antichrist. Cain was the first one. The Bible cites at least 14 Antichrists in the Bible. All right? There's been many Antichrists. Hitler was an Antichrist. Okay? You can name some people ruling countries right now that are Antichrist. But there's coming a final Antichrist like none others. We know he's coming. We can see the world getting ready for him. That's a warning. There's coming a rapture. Say, what's the rapture like? It's not like this. Did I hear a trumpet? Yeah, I think I hear a trumpet. Wow, that sounds like no trumpet I've ever heard before. 
It sounded like it's coming from up there. Wow. If I may be wrong, but that sounds like Gabriel's trumpet. No. Let me tell you what happens. You're out of here. I'm right here. I'm walking down here. My step's right here. The rapture happens. I don't even finish. I go from here to there like that. Amen. Graves open up. We're out of here. You don't have time to think, you know what? This is the rapture. Oh, God. No. You're out. Before you know, we're gone. Why? Because God's just getting us out of the way because here comes a seven-year tribulation. And God is going to wrestle with Jacob for seven years. Amen. Go back and read Genesis 32. And when that seven years is over, the Jews are going to know that Jesus of history was the Messiah. In fact, he's the God of eternity, the eternal Son of God. And they're going to all, eventually, all the Jews are alive, are going to come to salvation by the end of the tribulation period. And Christ is going to set up a thousand-year kingdom, and we're going to rule and reign with him. Then he's going to make a brand new heaven and a brand new earth. Peter says, knowing these things, it ought to affect our life. Amen? So let's take a peek at this and see what we got here. He prepared an ark... Moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. That's the phrase I want you to see. By the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. The only way to get to heaven is to inherit the righteousness of Jesus Christ in place of your sin. That's it. Why? Because you inherited a fallen state. You need to inherit a risen state. You need to get out from underneath the first Adam and get under the second Adam. By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Even so, or so by, in the same way you got the old nature, you get the new nature. You inherit it. He said, well, how do I inherit it? Transfer your trust to Jesus Christ alone, and it's yours. To save you from the wrath of God for your sins. He said, it can't be that easy. He did all the work. Amen. He did all the work. All right, here we go. Three quick things. Noah's sons grew up under the same godly influence Noah had grown up under. All right? Isn't it wonderful to be in a church long enough like this church? Isn't it wonderful to be in a church long enough that you see children of charter members grow up and serve the Lord? Amen. Amen. Go off and be good Christian businessmen. Go off into the ministry. Wonderful mothers, wonderful wives. You see them grow up. And then here come grandchildren. Yeah. Amen? A church that's been in existence for a while, you see this heritage of faith. Heritage. That'd be a great name for a church. Wow. Can you imagine the name? The word church is pretty cool, amen? You know what was so bad about COVID? This, this, this is so important. You don't realize it, but something happens to you spiritually when you assemble as a people. We get to looking at chairs and so souls hairdo and Brother Stewart's tie and talk about glare coming off the head. But anyway, we get to look at this. Folks, you're, I'm looking tonight at a temple. You're the house of God, not this. You're the house of God. Your body's the house of God. From God's perspective, this is a supernatural event tonight. From our perspective is, oh, Brother Crawford says he's going to give him extra time. Does that mean he's going to stop at seven? Very likely. I'd like to be invited back. I didn't say Bluebell's wonderful ice cream. But anyway, uh, some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't. But anyway, they used pre-flood water when they made Bluebell, by the way, too. But anyway, do you realize tonight this is a spiritual event? When God's people get together, it's the house of God. And it hurt us. It hurt us not to assemble. 
you know, Zoom's better than nothing. We use it at the school sometimes. It's better than nothing, but it's no replacement. And it hurt us. The first time in American history, Christians did not assemble at church on Easter Sunday two years ago. First time ever. That ought to say something to us, folks. Amen. Wow. What, what, a, what a great thing. Baptist. Baptist church. Baptist, you know, Baptists don't think they're better than anybody else. You say, you don't? No, you can't. Why? Baptists believe you're saved by grace. You're kept by grace. You're served by grace. And you're sanctified by grace. So how can you think you're better than anybody else? We believe the doctrines we hold to are biblical doctrines. Of course, so do they. That's why you need to study for yourself. But if you want a little short lesson in church history, just come see me, okay? But anyway, what about the name Heritage Baptist Church? That'll preach. This church has got a heritage. And some children have been in this church for 21 years. Amen? It's been passed down. Noah stepped into this heritage. And he passed it on to his children. Listen, I'm not talking, okay, we can be a little sentimental. But I want to tell you something. If my parents had not passed their faith on to me, and a few of the people that were influential, I have no idea where I'd be today. The greatest treasure you have. And these young people, they, they, they appreciate it at different levels. But they'll walk with God, they'll stay in church, they'll get to some crossroads in their life, and they'll turn to God as they get older. They'll appreciate it. I wish I could go back and talk to some of Sunday school teachers. I remember singing deep and wide, deep and wide with my great musical ability. I was going deep and wide, deep, wide. She said, no, no, Johnny Jeff, it's deep and wide. I said, okay, deep and wide, you know, it's just good enough for me to sing. I remember this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little, remember, don't hide it under a, a bushel, no. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on a what? We go, ow! He can sit on a deck, ow! Amen? I remember those songs. Ten and nine, eight and seven, six and five and four. Call upon the Savior while you may. Three and two, coming through the clouds in bridal ray. I remember that stuff. I've got a heritage. I'm here tonight because people invested in me. I'm here tonight because Christian households tithe faithfully and regularly so I can give myself to study for years. And I wish I was smarter. I wish I knew more. I try to do my best to a certain degree. All of us come short. But I'm here tonight because people pass something on to me. Amen? Don't lose sight of passing it on to your children. Amen? You need this church. You need this church. You need each other. And you need this book. And when you come together, you need for the Spirit of God to minister in our midst. And we don't need to do it our way. We need to do it God's way. Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. And the Holy Spirit came to bear witness to Christ. You ought to get thrilled. You ought to get excited when the preacher especially gets on Christ because he's Christianity. And the Holy Spirit of God, when the child of God looks at the Word of God and sees the Son of God, he's changed by the Spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God. Are you praying for your church all week? Are you praying for God to show up? Are you praying for your pastor? Are you praying for him? He's getting older. You better pray for him. He's had another birthday. 
Pray that God will use him and that God will give him the sermon. Look at number two. True faith must be acted upon. Listen, I, I'm not here tonight to motivate you by saying, you know, you need to get out of that chair and start doing something. That works a few times, but most of us don't get too far along with that. But when we begin to buy into what's being said, when we begin to value it, folks, I'm telling you, let me just say this. Let me put it this way. This church is not perfect. I know this church is not perfect. But what if every community in America had a church like this? What if every, every 2,500 people had a church like this? By the way, world missions would be booming. Would world missions be booming right now if every church with 2,500 people around them had a missions program like you have? Would they? Would they be booming? Would it be felt on the job? Would it be felt in the neighborhood? Yes. Don't let familiarity rob you of what you have here. Man, Noah had a heritage. He couldn't have done it if he hadn't had it. Noah found grace. Amen. But you got to act on it. If you're here tonight and you believe it, the Bible says if you're not acting on it, you don't believe it. Your job's going to make you miss church. It's going to make you miss this. It's going to make you miss that. Hey, get out of debt. Drive a used Ram pickup truck. Spill it backwards, mar, something. Drive it and enjoy it and be in church, amen? amen? Why do you want to be in servitude? Get out of debt as soon as you can, amen? amen? You're giving to help Ukraine. That's what this church has been doing forever. You got a missionary there, amen? Isn't that great? There's probably some people that that ministry has reached that are in heaven tonight because there's been a lot of people knocked off, folks. Knocked off. Taken out. Amen? They're, they're in their apartment and boom, the whole side blows away. They went to heaven. They're saved. Amen? Thirdly, building the ark put their faith into action and it grew their faith. Turn to Jude, the last book of the Bible. Here's where we're headed. Believe it or not, I only need about 10 or 15 more minutes. I'd like for you to come back tomorrow night. I'd like for you to say, wow, Brother Stewart, something's happened to him. He talks fast now. Look at verse 20. This is important. The wording here is so key. There's several verses I could have gone to, Acts 20, 32, etc. This is the one I want for tonight. Look at this. Think of the ark. It was a building project. You do know. How many, how many agree? Brother Stewart, God could have taken everybody out and it would have just been no one in his family left. Remember he talked about Moses? He said, Moses, that's it. I'm done with Israel. I'm going to start all over with you. And Moses said, hmm, let me think about that a minute. No, God, let's don't do that. No, Moses immediately said no. He did it the way he did so we could be warned even to this hour. We'll touch on that in the next couple of days. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Romans 1.18. Only the ark, only the flood of Noah pictures that. Is, not was, not will be, ever presently. There's a constant warning. Evolution takes it out. Noah's flood takes out evolution. Amen? You say, which theory? All of them. Amen? If Noah's flood happened, there's no evidence for evolution. By the way, there isn't anyway, but it blows it out the door. In the natural world's way of thinking, if Noah's flood happened, the way the Bible says, they have no evidence, even in their way of thinking, for evolution. That's how significant it is. 
Look at Jude chapter 20. By the way, you've been through Jude lately. This is like the vestibule. When you walk in here, see those, two, those four doors there? That vestibule there, that's like the book of Jude. You say, well, what's behind it? The book of Revelation. Vestibule. It's like you walk into the vestibule before you walk into the book of Revelation. It tells you what it's going to be like in the last days. When I read this, I thank God I got an ark. Amen? I thank God I got an ark. You know, everybody's going to go through the wrath of God. Either in the ark or out of the ark. Noah went through the wrath of God in the ark. If you're saved, you went through the wrath of God in Christ. Amen? You have to suffer the wrath of God for your sins. God says, I will by no means clear the guilty. So what do you do? Find a substitute. Find a substitute. I found one. Who? The God I sinned against. The God I sinned against came down here as me, for me, and took all the wrath. Amen? Are you following me? Wow, pretty good gospel. Amen? Think you ought to keep preaching it? Good. I think you ought to keep singing it. That's how I used to see in my dreams. Okay. Building an ark. Look at this. Verse 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves, not on faith, your most holy faith. It's not just a belief system. It's not just a transfer of trust. It's not just giving credit to God and acting on it. It's actually a body of truth. Build up your concept of God. How? Understand as well as you can, as good as you can possibly get it done. Learn what God is really like. Amen. What comes into your mind when you think about God, the most important thing about you. Why? Because everything around us came from Him. If you've got a right concept of God, you're going to look at marriage differently. Who came up with marriage? Who came up with parenting? Who came up with work? My dad told me one day, I was young, he said, son, someday you'll enjoy work. I thought, oh, my soul, what has happened to him? He sold cars for many years. I thought, he's been on that asphalt too long. He's been out in those cold Kansas winters trying to sell cars. Something's happened. I will enjoy work. Yeah, you know what? If you find something you enjoy doing, it's not work. We start at 7 o'clock, and I start teaching at 7 and I run out of energy by 110. I'm about done. But you know what? I love it. I wish I was a better teacher. I wish I knew more. I wish I was a better communicator. But somebody's got to do it. So I stepped up and said, if Balaam's donkey can do it, I'll give it a shot. Amen? Amen. If God can use a donkey, he'd probably use something a step above. Hungry students, going to go out and shake the world, going to go out and make a difference. Look across here. Brother Cox, you know what I'm talking about. Brother Zillian, you know what I'm talking about. Amen. Look at this. On your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Wow, what a, what a passage. All right, three quick things I want to give you tonight. Here's the deal. Notice it says he saved his house. Prepared an ark to the saving of his house. There was the lust of the flesh, there was the lust of the eyes, and there was the pride of life in Noah's day. And it was pulling everybody into it like a vortex, just sucking them down. Three things. Notice those words, prioritization, prior, prioritization. That means you need to prioritize your life. Number two, preoccupation. Think of that word, preoccupation. We experience this all day. Most of us find it necessary to get up and go to work. 
It's a priority. What? We like electricity. Amen? We like air conditioning. We like heating. We like heated water. Most of us like to pay the gas bill and electric bill in order to keep it. Most of us realize that's a priority. And so we work around that. Preoccupation. When you get to work, what do you basically do? You're preoccupied with, with your work. Before cell phones came along, you were able to concentrate all day. Now with cell phones, you're trying to hold on to your job, all right, because they see you on the phone. Look at the third word, pictorialization. Those are very important. Let me just give it to you simply real quick, and then we're going to get these, those three points underneath there. I want to challenge you to do what Noah did. Noah reprioritized his life, or he fine-tuned. Remember, he's walking with God. At the age of 480 years, he got a tap on his shoulder, and God said, okay, this is it. This is it. And Noah had to be wondering, because Methuselah was 960, well, 100, 120 years before that, he had been 800 and what, uh, 49? Yeah, he's 849 years old, and he thought, wow, he's getting pretty old. Well, lo and behold, God said, okay, it's coming. I want you to build an ark, and here's what I want you to do. That became number one priority. Amen? Could he have done it if it wasn't number one priority? No, he couldn't have done it because there, there was a thousand things to keep him from it. He had to make a decision, and the Bible says that Noah did what God told him to do. He did it in such a way that Ezekiel, God, in the book of Ezekiel, cites Job and Daniel and Noah. That's something. God made a contract with Noah. Adam, Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and David. Okay? Just with them one-on-one. -on -one. Now, we have a contract in the New Testament. Look at this. And he's in the roll call of faith in God chapter. This is not the faith chapter. This is the faith in God chapter. By the way, who's the hero? I, I use that term loosely. Who is the, the great one of Hebrews 11? Not Enoch. Not even Abel. Not Moses, God is. God built these people, amen? Now watch. Preoccupation. He got up in the morning and to a certain point, nothing else mattered. And here's the key. Get this, please. When a family is on the same page, it's a lot better family. If the kids are going this way and mom's going that way and dad's going this way, they come home and they're still going different directions. The family needs to have one priority above all others. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the God Almighty who holds everything together at any moment. And who I'm going to stand before someday. Amen? And by the way, that's not enough force to make the point. That's the best I can do. I'm getting old, okay? Man. Amen. You know who I'm talking about tonight? I'm talking about the God's giving you your breath. I'm talking about the God's keeping your heart beating. I'm talking about the God who's holding this universe together. Amen. I'm talking about the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity. You want to write God a letter? Put God, address eternity. He'll get it. Be careful what you write. And you know what? Here's the key, and this is what I want to get to tomorrow night and Tuesday especially. He could not have seen his world. He could not have seen what's coming. And he could not have helped but see that ark pictured 
Christ. There is no way that he could not have seen it. Why did he take clean animals on board the ark? Not just for food, but for sacrifice. Seven sets of clean animals. Why? Because you've got to have food. They're going to eat meat after the flood. And you've got to have sacrifice. After the flood's over, he builds a huge altar and offers a sacrifice to God. And God says, I smell the sweet savor. Way back there, before the tabernacle. Oh, the merits of Christ in our behalf coming up. The picture. I'm telling you. He saw the significance. He saw the importance. I guarantee you, he was intrigued. I know a man up in Kentucky who spent years and years and years raising money, advertising, getting people to have a little piece of the ark, so to speak, and went through all kinds of trouble just to build a replica. Just to build a replica. Sneered, laughed at, harassed, persecuted, just to build a replica. And he, you don't think Ken Ham was motivated? You don't think he had priorities? You don't think he had a preoccupation? His family's very involved with it. In fact, his son-in-law, Bodie Hodge, is a pretty good theologian. I enjoy him. One of the reasons is he agrees with some of my doctrinal stands. It's not a little different on the church, but in the translation. But outside that, he's a pretty good man on Christology. But anyway, hey, how do you think he got that thing done? Well, if he did that to build a replica, what do you think about Noah? Amen? And by the way, he saved his house. I can't think of anything more hurtful than look across this auditorium and not know your family's going to be with you forever in heaven and your grandchildren. Amen? The people you work with. There's a lot of relatives my wife and I have reached out through off and on through the years. And I think by the grace of God, we're going to see some of them in heaven that we wouldn't normally have seen if we had not been a part of the people witnessing to them. There's some we don't know about. We tried. I made a special trip a few years ago. I had the school praying about it. I had a relative that I was really burdened about. We witnessed too often on growing up as kids, etc. And when I got in the ministry, he just kind of wrote me off. Got kind of snide about it. Time passed on. You get sentimental. You start looking back. The fun you had as a kid. I went to go see him. And boy, they rolled out the red carpet to us. They had a great time. We got to stay longer than we thought. And my wife rode with somebody else in the vehicle. And I rode with him, his wife. I rode with him. And I've got to the point where I felt like I, I asked him, I said, I, I got to know whether you're saved or not. And we got to talking about it. He, he assured me, he understood, and we talked about it. And I believe he's very likely saved. Amen? I believe we're going to see, I know his wife is. We feel really good about that. I believe he's going to be in heaven. Boy, you talk about somebody needing their sins forgiven. It was him. I tell you, he was something else growing up, okay? But I'm telling you tonight, if Noah could be committed to building an ark, can't we be more committed to who the ark pictures? What I'm going to tell you tonight is he saved his family from the wickedness of that day. And it was wicked. You know how he did it? The number one priority was building that ark. And they were preoccupied. And one of the reasons they were because they saw what it pictured. Because they knew it's one thing to be delivered from floodwaters, but what about when you die? He said, well, do you think Noah thought that? He became the heir of righteousness. He became the heir of righteousness. Noah's going to be in heaven. Amen? How many want to see when you get to heaven? I'm going to try to beat Dr. Ball to him. See, hey, Dr. Ball, just a minute. Uh, uh, Michael Wiggins needs to talk to you. Hey, Noah, can I ask you a quick question? From the wickedness of that day, folks, there's a lot of wickedness out there. One of the best ways 
for you to keep your family out of it is to stay in this church as long as it's on track. Amen? You, Father, Grandfather, your house has got to be a haven from the world. Keep the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes out. Isn't there a place where our family can gather and the world's not in there messing it up? I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. What are your kids watching? What are they listening to? You know, when I was a kid, teenager, you had very little access to certain things. Now you're flooded with it, and it's showing, folks. It's showing. We got to reprioritize our lives, amen? We got to get excited about the ark. It saved his family. They were too busy. I got to tell a story real quick. I got to shorten this. Some of you remember Lester Roloff? He told the stories about his boys coming home from high school and they wanted to go out for football. Noah said, Nope, 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 boys, you can't, nope, nope, got to build the ark. You know, Lester Roloff. Nope, 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 nope. And they come home. But you know what? They thought that, and I'm not saying your boys can't play football. I'm just giving you an illustration. Okay? But when that flood came, they were sure Dad Noah was their father. Amen? When the rapture happens, your kids are going to sure be glad that Dad and Granddad, et cetera, were godly men. Amen? They're going to sure be glad they had Sunday school teachers. How many people are going to be happy they had a church like this to be involved in? Amen? Think of the churches in your life. Some of you, it's the only church you've ever known. I thank God for every church I've got to be a part of. Every one of them did a bunch for me, amen? None of them are alike. But you know what? Every church has its high points. Put them all together and thank God for it, amen? The wickedness of that day, and you've got to get more active in your church, and not just the human energy. You've got to catch the vision. We, we cannot not assemble anymore. Amen. Amen. And we need to spend time storming heaven with prayers. Noah found grace in the Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Number two, that ark sailed from the actual waters of the flood. That ark worked. You say, do you think it really did work? We're here tonight, aren't we? It didn't leak. It was covered without and within. Amen. Atonement. Covering. You know what you're going to experience if you're saved? You're not going to experience the tribulation judgments. Read the book of Revelation see what's coming. If you're saved, you're not going to experience it. You can't store up enough food if everybody finds out you got food, guess where they're going to come? The word's going to get out. You got food. Folks, there's something coming on this world tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, 10 years from now. It's coming. You can see it, just like the Bible laid it out. But if you're saved, you're not going to face it. You're going to be out of here, amen? Twinkling of an eye, you're out of here. Noah's boys and his daughter-in-law's. And his wife, boy, they were sure fortunate to have Noah for a dad, weren't they? Are your kids fortunate that you're their father? So, well, Brother Stewart, I don't know. I haven't been when I should have been and whatever and so forth. Well, you can start tonight. Amen. God's a master of taking the past, running it through a funnel, and using it somehow, some way later. You who can help an alcoholic better than either anybody else, another alcoholic that's been rescued from it. Amen. I know from experience my dad... Thirdly, Noah's boys apparently were saved. 
I have every reason to believe that, even Ham, okay? I don't want to get into that tonight, but I'm telling you, when they died, they went to the paradise, and they're in the presence of God tonight because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look what that ark did. It saved them from the world of that day. It saved them from the waters of the actual flood, and it got them to heaven because of what it pictured. And they gave themselves to building that ark. You say, well, I think they were already saved when they built the ark. Yeah, and you're probably saved tonight, but you've got to keep working on it because we're saved right now from the penalty of sin. And we're being saved from the power of sin, but we're still not saved yet from the presence of sin. And we've got to build it and build it and build it. I'm telling you, we'll make an analogy tomorrow night. Okay? So, in closing, let's for the sake of time go to Psalm 78. Okay? I'm talking about a family on fire for God at home, work, school, and church. Dad, I'm telling you, if you're serving God and you're giving the, paying the tithe and giving an offering, and you're bringing your family to church, and you pray around the table, you're involved in missions, you're living a clean life, you are, you're a modern day Noah, you're doing the right thing. The world will never appreciate it, but what they're doing is not working. In spite of my dad's shortcomings, thank God for my mother, I grew up in a good Christian home in spite of everything. I had enough theology, I could overlook some issues. And when I was 15 years old, my dad was delivered from alcohol. And for 25 more years of his life before he died at the age of 76, he never touched it again. I was 15 years old. I never thought he quit drinking. Never did. I saw, I saw my own home healing. All my siblings were serving God. The home was broken. It was tough. Thank God for Temple Baptist Church. I had a church like this. Youngest of the family. Held things together. Don't take this church for granted. Okay? Salvation is not in the church, but this church will tell you about the ark, amen? The greater ark. Look at Psalm 78. I'll tell you this quick story and I'm done. My goal was 710. I think I'm going to make it. Barely. Clock's a minute fast. Years ago, I went to Art Wilson. I said, Art Wilson, <coughs> evangelist Art Wilson, he started 41 churches. One of Brother Crawford I's, it's my favorite preacher. One of his favorite preachers. Brother Cox knows what I'm talking about. Brother Zillner probably knows. I said, Dr. Wilson, you got to write a book. I had got to know him very well in stories and wisdom and stuff. I said, man, you got to write a book. He said, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I don't want to draw attention to myself. <clears throat> I said, well, it can be written where it doesn't draw attention to yourself. It can be written where it's like your ministry. It's all about Christ. He said, oh, I don't, I don't have time. And I said, okay, I'll talk to him next time. Next time I saw him, hey, Dr. Wilson, you need to write a book. One day, I couldn't get anywhere. We were at youth camp. I had him in for youth camp every year. He's in his 80s, and he told those young people in the palm of his hand in his 80s, we have youth departments wanting to come to our church on Saturday nights to hear him again. Well, we had him in. The guy was just something else. God broke out all over him. You know what? I said to him one day, we're at youth camp, we walk up the stairs, pot of gold. Got up on the chaplain. I said, Dr. Wilson, you know what Psalm 78 says, don't you? Yes. I read it. Let's look at it real quick. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known. And our fathers have told us, our fathers have told us, we will not hide 
them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. I think Noah's sons could say this about him. For he established a testimony of Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come, that the generation to come, the Ham, Shem, and Japheth, and their children, all the way down, the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born. By the way, we're all descendants of those three boys tonight, and many of us are believers. Amen? Should know and rise and declare them to their children, that they might set, verse 7, they might set like concrete. Oh, that your children and your grandchildren would be like concrete. Come hell or high water, their hope, a confident expectation is in God. And not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. And may not be as their fathers. Think about Israel, that first generation, the exit generation, a stubborn, rebellious generation. A generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. I read a few verses, said, Dr. Wilson, kind of tongue-in-cheek. I didn't even want to struck with lightning. So, Dr. Wilson, it'd be a sin if you don't write this book. What God's done in your life, people need to know about it. And it can be done right. He kind of looked at me. He said, you'll write it? I said, yeah, I'll write it. All right, let's do it. And we did. Amen. And what a story. And you know what? That book's dedicated to Jesus Christ. And we give him the glory. Amen. I give him glory for this church. I give him glory for what he's doing in your life. But I press toward the mark of the high prize of the calling of God in your life. We need more grace. We need more Christ-likeness. And your children are worth it. Your wife is worth it. Your grandchildren are worth it. Amen? And these souls. Folks, can I just say something? What a church. You say, well, we're not perfect. Yeah, I know you're in it. You brought me in. That messed everything up. Amen. As your pastor comes, let's all stand. Sing, Jesus, I'm come, I come. Hymn 159. What a message tonight. Again, if we want to be as Noah and keep our families preoccupied with the things of the Lord. Building the ark. Make Christ the priority. Make him the priority. Make him the focus. The one thing. The one thing in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord. On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlett.org.